you have your Bibles, you would find 2 Samuel with me. As always, thank you so much for loving our family. And uh, my wife was in the first service, so she says thank you especially. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, dealing with people is a challenge. Uh, some of you today, would not just because Justin just did that to me. That's not why my sermon is titled Dealing with People. Uh, but all of us have probably at some point in our life thought, everything would be really good if I just didn't have to deal with people. Maybe today you're not like that. Maybe you are a people person. You love people. You love interactions. Maybe today you say, Jake, I used to love people, but over the course of time and difficulty and relationships, uh, dealing with people is hard. You see, we've been looking at some very challenging stuff. Uh, we've been looking at parts of the Bible that you will hear very little about. But yet, we believe that God's Word is true, all of it. That it all has a purpose and a plan for our life. And we've been looking at a man by the name of Absalom and what he did, the murder of his brother, the running to his grandfather's kingdom, to uh, watching Joab trick David to bringing him back. And all of us would say, we know we need to forgive. We know the Bible says that you have to forgive. Most of us would say that we're trying to forgive, but how to live out forgiveness is where we struggle. For instance, how do I forgive someone and treat them if they're not really sorry for what they've done? How do I forgive and love someone who doesn't care that they've hurt me or taken advantage of me? Maybe today you're thinking, well, I know how I handle with it. One of two ways usually comes up. One, someone hurts us, and so we check them off that they're no good, they have no value, and no matter what they know, they're dead to me. On the other extreme of that, most of us would say, well, I'm just a doormat. I'm going to forgive, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to let them do it again. And neither of those, I believe, are what the Bible says. Forgiveness is always required, but how you live out that forgiveness is where we struggle. Today I just want you to know that we're going to talk about some very uncomfortable things just ahead of time because all of us have had relationships that have been challenged. All of us probably are in a relationship that is difficult. And today I believe this. I believe that God can change people. I believe that God can work in marriages and in homes and in lives that most people have given up on. And the question I have for you today is, are you willing to let God work in you to make a difference, to make a genuine difference in the lives of other people? And so if you would stand with me, we're going to read the three verses that we finished with last week just because you can know we're going verse by verse and this sermon wasn't just picked out by me for you. In 2 Samuel chapter 14, starting in verse 21. And the king said to Joab, All right, I have granted this thing. Go therefore, bring back the young man Absalom. Then Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight, my lord, O king, in that the king has fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him return to his own house, 
but do not let him see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, but did not see the face of the king. Pray with me. Father, today I come. Lord, you know me and my failures and my sins and my struggles. And God, you know that there is nothing good in me. Lord, there is nothing that I can contribute to today. Father, if you leave me here alone, nothing will get done. Father, I pray that you would honor the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be at work in this place. And Father, I pray that you would do things that only you can get the credit for. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so dealing with difficult people. I pray today that all of your relationships are perfect. I pray that you've never had a cross word with someone. I pray that, that everything is good. But I want you to know that at some point in your life, you are going to have difficulties. There are going to be people and relationships that cause you pain. And what to do with those are really what will define your life in regards to other people. And so there are three things I want to show you this morning, and I pray that these will help you as you try to be who God wants you to be. The first one is this. Outward appearance doesn't always reflect the heart. Outward appearance doesn't always reflect the heart. Look here in verses 25. Seems like a very strange thing to be right here, but it is a purpose. Now in all Israel, there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. Some of are thinking, I know his struggle. I know his struggle. You'll get that in a minute. And every wife's going, he's not talking about you, dear. And when he cut the hair of his head at the end of every year, he cut it because it was heavy on him. When he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels according to the king's son standard. To Absalom were born three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of beautiful appearance. And so, so you're saying, this guy is a murderer, he's wicked, but yet now the Bible is talking about how handsome he is, how he's got a full head of hair, how, how he's, got, he's got this beautiful family sons and a beautiful daughter. He's got everything. Why are we celebrating that this man has everything and he's such a scoundrel? And this is why. Because on the outside, it appears that everything is right, that everything is good. But deep down, Absalom is wicked. And how many times are we guilty of that? Coming to church, acting like everything's fine, we don't have any marriage problems. Our kids are all perfect. Oh, everything's good at work. Oh, our little American dream, a little white house and a little picket fence, and everything's just perfect. And deep down, everything is falling apart. We struggle with insecurities and failures and fears. We're struggling with whether or not we can stay married. We're struggling with a child that's running from God. And, and But yet on the outside, everything's just like it should be. What we see here is, friends, that you and I are guilty of judging people based on the external. And God looks at the internal. Now let's be honest. All of us love our children the same. There are no favorites. But some children are easier to love than others. Just like if you have more than one sibling. You love them both, but one is probably easier to love than another. 
Why? Because some people are kind and some people are considerate and, and some people are, are wonderful and other people just... <laughs> it's the way it is. I was going to Evansville yesterday and I was in the drive-thru. And I love the McDonald's drive-thru. I love just to watch people... I don't know, I just love it. And so in front of me was a lady that ordered three... Bacon, egg, cheese, biscuits, two Diet Cokes. And the poor girl working through the register thing goes, you want three bacon, egg, cheese, biscuits, and three Diet Cokes. And you could just see it. You could just see this lady. She sticks her head out the window. No! I said three bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits and two Diet Cokes. And so what I said was, there's only one person in that car. She ordered a second drink because she's trying to cover up the fact that she's going to eat all that food. <laughs> Not that I would know that from experience. <laughs> and so the girl says, you want three bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits and two Cokes. Because you know what you're thinking, why eat three bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits and drink a Diet Coke? Deletes the purpose, right? And that lady, you could tell her, whoo, well, I didn't want to describe what I was thinking, but she's like, no! And she leaned even closer to that thing, which it doesn't help any. I want three bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits and two Diet Cokes. You hear the poor girl on the register, oh, I'm sorry, please pull around. She gets right up there to the window, and I can tell that poor girl, I pull up there, she's probably 16 years old, something. But anyway, on that nice fancy car was a bumper sticker. And I would love to give you a guess on what it said. Follow me to church. And I thought, well, you old... Anyway, I will tell you. The outside of the car is clean, it's... Good looking, but the person inside is a wicked turd. And friends, so many times that's how we are. Everything is fine. Everything is perfect. But we can never forget that God doesn't look on the outside, but on the inside. How about this a little more? How many times have we been guilty of giving someone more attention because maybe they have something we want? Or they have the right title? or the right last name. The Bible even talks about churches that were doing that. There would be someone sitting there and someone wealthy with jewelry and, and money would come in and they would make them get up and give up their seat. And the Bible says that cannot happen. And friends, if you're going to have relationships with people, you cannot judge them based on the outside, but on the inside. 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, if you remember... King David is not yet king. And Saul has lost the blessing of God and they're looking for a new king. And Samuel goes to Jesse's house, the house of King David's father. And they start marching all these young men in, son after son. And he's like, oh, that must be him. God says, that's not him. Next one comes in, that must be him. That's not him. Third one, that's not him. Because why? They had already picked a king based on his looks and his abilities. 
and all these things that the world judges by. But God said this in 1 Samuel 16, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And if we're going to love people, and we're going to forgive people, and we're going to have relationships with people, what they have or what they can give us should not matter. Think about Judas. Judas had all the right words. He had all the right actions. He was with the Lord. He handled the money. But yet he was lost and wicked. You see, friends, today I want to encourage you that as you choose to forgive people, and you choose to have relationships with people, and you're going to have to make a difference in the lives of other people, don't just do it with the people who you think check your box, who fit into your category, who are white, who are middle class, who are privileged, who are conservative, who who agree with you. You have to understand that God sees the heart. Second thing I want to show you here is this. Not getting what we want reveals the heart. Not getting what we want reveals our heart. Look what it says here in verses 28 through 30. And Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, but did not see the king's face. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. So he said to his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servants set the field on fire. So Absalom has come back to Israel. He's in Jerusalem, but he doesn't get to see his father. He doesn't get to experience that relationship. But I want to show you something. It doesn't say anything about father, does it? It says king. It says king. If you read the rest of this passage, it's king. I want to see the king. Let me see the king. Why is that? Because Absalom did not care about his father. He cared about his fortune. He didn't care about his father as a person. He cared about his position. He didn't care about his relationship. He cared about ruling. And when Absalom could not gain an audience with his father, the king, he sends to the one man who helped make all this happen, Joab. Joab says, I'm not getting involved. I did my part. I got you back here. But your dad said no. And I want you to see this today because it's so true. What happens next is he did not get what he wanted, and so he set Joab's barley field on fire. Now, as a guy who almost burnt down all the north part of Dalgren one time, I can tell you that when fires get started, sometimes they get away from you. But Joab's field was right next to Absalom's. And Absalom was willing to burn his even though it might spread to his own. Absalom was willing to burn down everything he had in order to get what he wanted. And friends, how many times are we guilty of the same thing? I want that. I don't care what it costs. Think about King David. 
as he walked out on that portico and he looked down and saw Bathsheba. His family didn't matter. The kingdom didn't matter. God didn't matter. It was all about this is what I want in the moment and this is what I will have. Now I want you to think about that story I told you about that wonderful blessing of a Christian woman in the drive-thru at McDonald's and how foolish that was. How many times you ever got angry and frustrated because you had to wait in line at Walmart? How many times have you ever been waiting on something and you did not get what you thought you needed when you needed it from God and you tried to handle it on your own? You see, what we see from this passage of Scripture is, is your heart will be revealed when God tells you wait. Think about your children when you tell them on Christmas morning, you've got to wait to open your presents. You can't open them. What we have started to do, because we have no willpower and no desire to fight six children is, we don't even wrap them half the time. They come in the mail two weeks early from Amazon, it's like, Merry Christmas! I'm not even kidding. Because their patience is terrible. And I already got enough of my hands full trying to raise them to be decent human beings. But think about that. He wanted something so bad that he was willing to set fire, that he was willing to destroy something. And friends, today the greatest piece of advice I can give you in your relationships with other people is be patient. Don't burn a relationship just because someone is not growing as fast as you are. Don't destroy a relationship because someone hasn't saw the light as fast as you have. Think about what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, starting in verse 8 and 9. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Think about Judas Iscariot just a minute. If you remember, or if you have been here on Sunday nights, we've been looking through this in the book of Matthew. But Mary anointed Jesus' feet with the alabaster flask and oil. And the disciples begin to say, why would she do that? It is so valuable. It's worth so much money. We could have taken that and sold it and given it to the poor. And we know that that was started by Judas and the other disciples begin to get involved. And Jesus told them, leave this woman alone. She does what is necessary. She does what is good because I'm going to the cross. And Judas gets angry, doesn't he? Judas is looking for a way to what? Betray the Lord. Because why? He didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get it when he wanted it. And friends, so many times in our relationship with other people, we ruin them based on the fact that someone is not where we are yet. Someone is not growing. Someone is not there. And so today I want to encourage you as you love your enemies, as you try to forgive your spouse, as you try to reach your prodigal grandchildren or children, it is don't burn down the house to kill the spider. Don't destroy a relationship in a moment of weakness. The third and final thing, and this is where it gets very, very uncomfortable. 
Real repentance changes a person. Real repentance changes a person. Look what it says in verse 31. Then Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered Joab, Look, I have sent to you, saying, Come here, so that I may send you to the king, to say, Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to still be there. Now therefore let me see the king's face. But if there is iniquity in me, let me him execute me. So Joab went to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on the face to the ground before the king. Then the king kissed Absalom. You say, Jake, this is a happy ending to a terrible, terrible story. What you and I need to realize is in the very next chapter, this very same young man turns an entire kingdom against David drives him out of his home, drives him out of his country, and tries to murder his own father. You see, what we see in this passage of Scripture is someone who did not repent, but yet was welcomed back. Remember after Absalom murdered his brother? He didn't come to King David and ask for forgiveness. He didn't come to King David and say, you know what, he had it coming. He ran and hid. The Bible doesn't even say that Absalom is the one who tried to come back to Jerusalem. Joab went and found him and brought him back. So you have a person who has wronged everybody and has never asked for forgiveness, but is brought back into the fold. You see, that's why I wanted to talk to you today about how do you forgive and deal with people who aren't genuinely sorry. First thing I want to say is this. Forgiveness does not depend on anyone else. You forgive people because God forgave you. You forgive people because God wants you to. Not because they've earned it, not because they deserve it, not because they've asked for it, but we forgive because God first forgave us. But how do we live out forgiveness in a world and in our families and in our church, and in our, our everyday life, when there are some people who don't care. They don't care that they ruined your reputation. They don't care that they've hurt your kids. They don't care that they've caused problems. How do you love those people? Well, what we see here from David is absolutely the worst possible way. David decided to do nothing. David said, well, you know, I'm not going to go get him in a four-way land, but he can just stay there. And then after he agreed for him to come home, he says he can come home, but I'm not going to have anything to do with him. You see, David was kind of like many of us. There's a problem. I know it should be dealt with, but it's probably easy if we just sweep it under the rug. Friends, there's a time to avoid fights. There's a time to avoid drama. There's a time to turn the other cheek. But friends, when your family is under assault, when your marriage is crumbling, when your children are being led astray, it is no time to do nothing. You have to make a choice. When it's the person that you live with and you've got to make your marriage work, 
Sweeping it under the rug doesn't work. When it's a church that's meant to love each other and care for each other and walk together through the victories and defeats of life, it's too important to sweep it under the rug. And so what we see is two extremes. One, you have all seen it and maybe you have done it. I've helped them once. I forgave them once. They failed me. I'm done. They are dead to me. You've probably seen it on the other extreme. You know what? I've, I've gave them money 72 times and every time they said they were going to pay me back. I, I've just given and given and given and given and I just don't think I can give anymore. But then what happens? You give. You say, Jake, which one of those is right? This is what I'm here to tell you this morning. If you have forgiven, both of them can be right. Friends, how you choose to love people after you have forgiven them is your decision. You can choose to keep them at a distance, but you should still be kind to them. You can choose to say, I love you, but I just don't think it's best for me to give you any more money. You can say, I love you and I forgive you, and if you ever need me, I'm there. But our relationship can never be the same. It is all right if you have forgiven them to say, you know what, I'm going to give them a chance after chance after chance after chance. I am strong enough. I can do it. That is a decision that you have to make with the Lord. But forgiveness always comes first. You always have to forgive. And how you live out that forgiveness, whether you bring them home, whether you welcome them in, whether you have to slowly grow in that relationship, it's okay. You say, Jake, this is not where I thought this sermon was going to go. Well, this is where it is. Because what we see here is that David did nothing. Did nothing but let the problem fester. Nothing but let the problem grow. And it almost destroyed him. You say, Jake, how do I know when to give people second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances? How do I know when I can open myself back up to love and care for people? It's when real repentance happens. Most of you are familiar with the book of Jonah. Everybody's familiar. Jonah was told to go preach to a group of people that he didn't like that were wicked, that were ungodly. And he wouldn't go. If you're familiar, he was swallowed by a giant fish and spent some time in that stomach and then was vomited out. He went to this city that was wicked and evil and preached to them. And something happened. They repented. They believed that God was who He said He was. And in Jonah chapter 3, listen to what the Bible says. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that He said He would bring upon them. And He did not do it. You see, God saw their heart and the fact that they had turned. And friends, what you and I must do is we must be willing to let people prove that they are genuinely sorry that they are genuinely different people. How many of us are guilty of being willing to say, I'll forgive you, 
I'll give you a second chance. And then we tell someone else, I'm not really giving them a second chance. How many of us have told each other that we're going to forgive each other, we can move past this, but then the entire time, oh, I'm not moving past it. How many times have, well, I bailed my kid out for the 17th time financially and sit at the restaurant and griped about how miserable they are. You see, friends, you and I have got to be willing to forgive and move forward and let nothing hold us back. You see, David was willing to do that with his son, but his son was not willing to do that with him. You see, his son never had a desire to make things right with his father. He just wanted to be king. He just wanted the privilege of what his dad could offer him. And today I want you to know something. I pray that you can be long-suffering, like the Bible says. I pray that you are a person who can give chance after chance after chance. But I want you to hear this morning, if you're struggling with how to forgive someone who doesn't care, know that you're not alone. Know that you are not alone. You say, Jake, I don't really understand what all this means. I don't either. Because I don't know if you know this or not. I know that I'm supposed to forgive. But how I live that out is sometimes very challenging. (laughs) How do you forgive and have a relationship with someone who has lied to you? How do you love someone and forgive and move forward when a covenant has been broken? How do you love and forgive when someone has ripped apart something that should have never been torn apart? We do it with the Lord's help. We do it not like Absalom, but like the Lord wants us to. Humbly and honestly and genuinely. I think that's why it starts out by talking about how beautiful Absalom was. I think it starts talking about how wicked Absalom was. And I think it leaves us by showing us how wanting that Absalom was. And so my encouragement to you today is you might not have a full head of hair. You might not be the most handsome guy in the world. You might not have the most picture-perfect family. You might not have all the material wealth that someone else has, but it doesn't define who you are. It doesn't define who you are. Because God is no respecter of person. Today you might be sitting here and you might be saying, Jake, our, our, our family's in really bad shape. Our marriage is bad. Our kids are bad. I just things are, things are broken. I, I don't look like the person I sit with in the same pew. It doesn't have to define you. You say, Jake, I look back at my life and I've got so many things that I regret, so many relationships that are damaged. What do I do going forward? Know that the Lord can put them together. You say, Jake, I don't like this where this is going. I don't either. I'm all for being angry. I can all be for being unforgiving. I can be all for being vengeful. But what I can tell you this is God never blesses it. God never blesses it in a marriage. God never blesses it as a family. And so today, my challenge for you today is to forgive. Forgive and to work through it wherever you find yourself.
You say, well, Jake, we have said that we forgive each other and we still are in a relationship, but it's not the same way as it used to be. It can be. God can repair what has been broken. You say, Jake, why do you believe that? And I'm going to close. Because that's what God did for us. God saw our wickedness, our shame, and our sin and died for us. He made a way for us to be forgiven on the cross. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says this, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. If you want refreshing, it comes through Him. It comes through forgiveness. And I want to close like this because I've already had this happen. Someone came to me after the first service and said, so as long as I forgive a person, I don't have to have anything to do with them. That's not what I said. Another person in that same conversation, I think they did it on purpose to team up on me, said, so what you're saying is, as long as I forgive, I just have to give someone whatever they want every time they ask for the rest of my life. I said, that's not what I said. I said, what I said is this, forgiveness is of God. And how you live it out is sometimes messy. Sometimes it's hurtful. But you have to be willing to move forward. Some people say this, I just need time. But what they notice is, I'm not giving you time. Some people will say, I'll give you a second chance knowing they've no desire to give you a second chance. Friends, today you should want reconciliation. You should want God to be able to repair. You should want a relationship that was so broken for you to be able to say, this relationship has been fixed and it is better than it ever was and it is only because God did it. And if that is your goal, there is never a relationship that is too far gone. There is never a relationship that is too far broken. There's never a situation that God cannot change everything. Pray with me. Father, today, I don't know who this was for, but God, I believe that Your Word is exactly what it is supposed to be. And so, Lord, years ago when we started 1 Samuel, You knew where we would be today and what we would be going through. Father, today I pray that the people listening to my voice have a relationship with You. They know that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of their life. That they've turned from their wickedness, turned from their sin, and trusted You. God, I pray today that there's no doubt in any heart, any mind here today. But Lord, if there is, I pray that You would show them that You died for them, that You love them, and that You care about them, and You will save them if they will just ask. But Father, I pray for this congregation, so many of them who I know have a relationship with You. God, I pray today that You would help them to love each other, to love their spouses, to love their children, to love their grandchildren. God, to to love the people they work with. God, I pray this morning for any bitterness and unforgiveness. Lord, any hurt and pain that this congregation is struggling with. Father, help today be the day that You break barriers, that You tear down our strongholds, and God, that we will genuinely 
have relationships and healings with you and others that change the world. Father, today I pray for that person that's here that doesn't think there's any hope that, God, you'd show them. Father, I pray for those that have already been through this and are on the other side. God, that you would help them to thank you for what they've done and what you've done in their life. So, God, today I just give you all the praise and the credit and the glory. And I ask, God, that you would work in a mighty way. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.